Good morning, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Joe? We got any first-time guys this morning? First-time guy? Don't forget you're sitting with me this morning. It's like the rite of passage. Any other first-time guys this morning? Awesome. Welcome. Good to have you. All right, Jesse, where are you at? Jesse's going to open us up this morning, and uh, before he does, as he comes up here, I was reminded of uh, something yesterday. I just finished meeting with a client in downtown Orlando, and she texts me before she even leaves the parking lot of my office downtown and says that our, our grandson, we had just finished having a conversation on estate planning, the importance of estate planning, and so forth and so on, and that life is short, and you never know when something can happen, and uh, her three children, I was offering to make sure that each one of the children has a, a basic estate plan in place. And I'm watching them drive out, and then she calls me on my phone, and I say, hey, hello, Diane, how are you? She goes, our grandson almost got struck by lightning. And they witnessed the mom, the daughter, and the dog, right 10 feet or so from them, all get struck, and they all went down. And mom died. Uh, daughter is in Arnold Palmer right now. I don't, I don't know the status of the dog, but she says... Life happens that fast, David. And then yesterday I had another call with, a, with a, an individual and she lost her husband my age, which is young, 30 years married. And it just reminded me again that if something happened to any of you guys, I don't want your bride saying, wasn't the guy that led this Ironman a planner? Because I would want you guys to leave your homes organized and that your brides are well taken care of. Meaning that if you don't have enough assets, go get some life insurance. It's cheap, especially term life insurance. If you don't have a will, a durable power of attorney, a healthcare surrogate, and a living will, those four documents, every man in this room, if you're over the age of 18, you need those. You're like, well, I don't have an estate. No, you still need those four documents. So, I said it before, I'm saying it again. Please do not leave your families in disarray. I know we're starting off on the right foot this morning. <laughs> this is a word of encouragement. Please do not leave your families in disarray. Leave your bride sad, but knowing that she's okay. She's okay. And if I'm talking to any of you, feel it and go, I'm going to make a change this week. If you need an attorney, call me or see me afterwards. I will get you an attorney right here in Winter Garden. They can get you these four documents, very inexpensive. So with that, Jesse, let me hand it over to you, bro. <laughs> On that light note. <laughs> All right, good morning, man. So I'm going to just pick up on that theme, but maybe make a small turn here. Who here has had a great week? Ah. Who, who's had a week that's really stunk? Anybody going to admit it? Okay, a couple of us. Who here has had a week that has just kind of been heavy. Like, there's just junk. That's, that's been my week as well. Um, and it, it, going right on the heels of David, it has to do with just lots of people passing. Young men who shouldn't. Young men like me who shouldn't. We've had a guy who's been here a couple of times. In fact, his son came here for quite some time. Bo, his father passed a couple weeks ago. A coach of my boys passed. A friend of the boys uh, who is a ranger passed. Some of you may have heard that. It has been a heavy, heavy couple of weeks, actually. And so when David talks about that stuff, it, it hits me to the core, right? And it should hit all of us to the core. Not just because we're worried about finances, but because we know that we can meet our maker any minute. We can stand there before Jesus in the next second, 
right? So this morning, uh, just again, I love how there's this confluence of things that happens here. This morning, a friend of Ironman sent a small group of us a text and he said, remind the men this morning about the devil's schemes. And we've been talking about the devil's schemes. And I, for one, and probably somebody don't want to talk to about that because my first response is usually a little bit vicious in the sense that we give the devil way too much credit because we've got our own schemes that we're bringing the bear and the sin that we're bringing. But that's, that's true. But this man's message is really a good reminder. He said, remind the men of the devil's schemes, Ephesians 6.11. And so I was listening to that on the way in and I let the whole thing play. And what also Paul said, at the end of going through the, um, the sword of righteousness and the armor of God and all that wonderful stuff. This hit me because this, this uh, speaks to Bill this morning, who's going to be speaking. And Paul ends, he says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And I thought, how fitting, as Bill comes up here this morning. So Bill Wagner's going to speak. Remember, we were talking about life's defining moments. We had a great speaker above Oxum. We had one that was a little marginal the next week. We had a great speaker last week, Mark. And now we've got Bill. And, you know, this has been one of those things where, again, the three of us have been able to travel through this. And I, from the very get-go, said, listen, guys, there's no pressure. Ironman is not about performance. Ironman is about grace. Just don't screw it up. All right? So come on up here, buddy. So Bill is a friend of mine, and he's a super, super cool dude. I know a bit of his story. He knows a bit of mine, and he's he's one of those uh, guys that I think the first time we had coffee, we're sitting there sharing our stories, and it just I kept coming back to C.S. Lewis's quote, and I'm going to mutilate it, but you'll get the idea that a friend is born when you look at each other and say, you too, and that was Bill and I. Bill regrets that day because then I asked him to do this. I'm going to let Bill take it over here, but I just want to pray for him real quick before he gets started. Father God, uh, we thank you. Again, we thank you for another day. We don't know how many more we've got. So Father, just let us grab hold of this one. Let us do your work. Let us do your will. Let us just do the very best that we can with what you've given us. As my friend Bill talks here today, we just pray that you would just speak to the man that needs to be spoken to this morning, that Bill's words would be your words, that their impact would be felt by all of us. Father, that his life's defining moments would just help us have a closer relationship with you, draw closer to you, be bolder men who speak boldly about the gospel. Father, we thank you for that. I lift up my friend Bill today, right now, and we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning. Am I speaking into that? Okay. As Jesse said, this is the third and final week of life's defining moments, and these guys really gave me a tough act to follow, but I'm going to try to, and I appreciate Jesse having trusted me to come and speak to you men. It's not something I look forward to doing. I got to be honest, I'm super nervous. He said, picture everybody in their underwear, and that made me more frightened than I've ever been. So, Andy, you need to talk about that underwear with your wife. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Last week, Mark started talking about growing up in a life of Christian privilege, and our two upbringings couldn't be more different. I was raised in a Catholic family, went to Catholic high school, but I got to be honest, we just mailed it in. We went to the holiday masses and things like that. 
it's not to say I wasn't a believer, but I certainly wasn't studying the Bible. And my real relationship with Christ came much later in about 2007. I didn't come from privilege, but rather poverty. We were actually so poor we couldn't afford to pay attention to the Bible in my house. So I, I grew up with a set of values that were more military values. My, both my parents were military people. So I didn't have that biblical sense, but at least I had that character that comes from being a military kid. Problem is we moved around all the time. And I kind of lived this life where I never had friends and I never was a part of anything for too long. You know, you join a baseball team and, and they're cohesive and then in a year or two you're gone to another city. So it kind of created some problems for me that manifested later in life and kind of kept me from being in that relationship with Christ. So I want to start by looking at Paul who is refusing to take credit for his astounding revelation from God. God gave him a thorn in his flesh to keep him humble and Paul learned to be content with his suffering since God's power made it was made perfect in his weakness. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. And I love that. I think sometimes I think we should all have that thorn in our side to remind us to be humble and, and to stay faithful. And that brings me to a short story I want to share with you. It started about the end of 2018, and my wife saw a Facebook post that Dave Ogden had made, and it was for an event called Iron Men of God with Lou Holtz coming to speak. And again, I was raised Irish Catholic. Lou Holtz is second to the Pope. <laughs> I'm a huge college football fan, so I had no idea what Iron Man was. I didn't really know Chief Ogden other than through some work circles. But I said, I'm going to go because hearing Lou Holtz has got to be awesome. And it was. I went and really enjoyed his down-home humor and those lessons that he had to teach. During the event, some guy stood up at the end and he said, Hey, if you like this, don't forget we have Iron Man Connect at Four Rivers on the other Fridays. And I was like, huh, I wonder what that's all about. And so I took a chance and uh, showed up the next week. And I walked in this door right here. And David Hill, where's David at? There he is. Uh, David shook my hand as I walked in the door and said, hey, thanks for coming. We're glad you're here. And I saw Chief Ogden. I walked over and, you know, he kind of knew me and he's like, do you want to sit at the newcomer table or do you want to sit with us? And of course, I'm like, I'm a cop. I want to sit at the cop table. Uh, I'm scared to death of new people, right? Uh, and and I, listen, I couldn't tell you who spoke, couldn't tell you what we spoke about, but what I can tell you is I had a great conversation and I started thinking to myself, hey, this might be somewhere I'd feel comfortable coming. Maybe it's this is something I can be a part of. And then I went to walk out the door this door right here and David Hill grabbed me and he put his arms around me and hugged me he said I love you man I love you actually he said I love you bro in a very David Hill way <laughs> and I was blown away I mean I was like this guy knows exactly what I need at this moment nobody in the room knew it David Hill sensed it that I was hurt I was coming out of my life's defining season and the one thing I was lacking at the end of that was friendship and belonging and David, I'd never shared that story with you, but it was a it was a very important moment for me. You see, I was like I said, I was coming out of that defining season. It had left me humbled, hurt, desperate, and feeling alone. A season that challenged me as a man and the head of my household, as a community leader, a parent, and a husband. But during that time it solidified my faith. And that season lasted from about 2017 all the way to 2018, the end of which led me to Iron Man of God. In the beginning of that year, I had befriended a young girl named Katie Tangay through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And of course, as you know, Make-A-Wish is for young kids that are terminal with cancer. And of course, she passed away on my birthday that year. It was very tough for me. The family asked me to speak at her funeral, which I was honored to do. But it brought back memories of my cousin who had passed away when we were young kids and that journey that we walked through and, of course, how Make-A-Wish had, had made an impact in his life. 
I followed that up with, uh, I started displaying some neurological issues and I was having some difficulty with uh, my feet collapsing and my arms and different things. And I started going to some doctors and they thought I had multiple sclerosis. And thank God that journey didn't happen. It, I did have to have three surgeries to kind of correct some issues going on, but I was blessed not to have the multiple sclerosis. Then they found a lump in my chest and I had to have that removed thinking I had chest cancer, breast cancer. Yeah, men with breast cancer, who would have thought? It happens. But fortunately they removed that mass and it wasn't, wasn't cancer. But I think God was preparing me for something, and that something was my father came down to visit, and we noticed that he had a real gray color to him, and this six foot four, 215 pound stud, all of a sudden didn't look so healthy anymore. And that was the beginning of his cancer journey, which ultimately led to his death on Thanksgiving night in 2018. So all those troubles seemed like pretty unbearable. And then Hurricane Irma hit. Anybody remember Hurricane Irma? My wife and I were hosting a family in our house that lived in an apartment. They brought themselves, their kids and their grandkids to stay in our home to be safe. And what I thought was a safe place quickly became a very difficult place for me to be anymore. That's because most of the house, a lot of the house was destroyed. I had trees that fell through the roof in the bedroom that my youngest daughter sleeps in, into the living room. I had 19 giant mature oaks and pine trees collapse in the backyard, uprooted from a microburst. So if you can imagine root balls that are taller than I can touch, just all over my yard. Now I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you a little bit about why that was such a devastating thing. And that's my, as I said, I come from nothing. My wife and I came from nothing. Everything we have, we built ourselves or we got from God's blessing. And for 17 years, we lived in a small home in Ocoee in a terrible neighborhood surrounded by drug dealers and people that just generally didn't care about life too much. And we dreamed of living in a nicer area. And we saved and we prayed and we had a neighborhood in mind. And we drove that neighborhood for about 15 years wanting to live there. And shortly before this hurricane, God blessed us with the opportunity to buy a home in there. And we did. And we couldn't have been happier. And then, uh, and then of course, it was destroyed. Well, in my eyes, it was destroyed. And the repairs and the cleanup was far beyond my financial means. And so I was having a tough time. But I was also the patrol commander for the Ocoee Police Department. And I had obligations. And I'm a workaholic. So I was dealing with work, coming home, trying to clean up a mess in my backyard that was far too big for anyone to clean up on their own, going to sleep and doing it all over again. And just when I thought I couldn't take any more, God said, hold my beer. And, um, and in a time when I was emotionally, physically, spiritually exhausted, an incident occurred at work that left me fighting for my job. It was the ultimate humiliation to face and termination, quite frankly. I'm a control freak, and I no longer was in control of anything. And I broke down, and I asked God to work in my life, to humble me and to lean into him and learn to trust him. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, guys. He said, take your hands off the wheel and let me drive. He was honest with me. He said, you're a control freak. Stop trying to control everything. Once I did, amazing things started to happen in my life. And my termination was overturned, and I was reinstated with a demotion. I had a stranger who showed up at my house that owned a tree-cutting business, and he said, hey, man, uh, I heard you got a problem. Let me take a look. And I told my sir, I, you don't understand. I was just terminated. I don't have any money. He's like, no, nah, let's go look at your problem. And he looked at my backyard, and he went, wow, how much can you afford? And I said, I got about $200 in my account. And he said, okay, that'll do. I was blown away. I'm like, this is $30,000 worth of damage. He's like, I understand. I said, why would you do that? And he said, because God told me you were in need and I'm here. Yeah. 
And he showed up with semi-trucks, and I kid you not, there was four semi-trucks of stumps and logs that he hauled out of there over two days for $200. Earl and I are still friends to this day. And then while I was gone one day meeting with uh, some attorneys fighting this termination, I came home to meet with the adjusters and look at the hole in my roof. And uh, we walk in the room, and I look in at the roof, and tears just start flowing from my eyes. And I called for my wife, and I said, what'd you do? Who'd you pay to fix the roof? She said, what are you talking about? I said, the roof is fixed. It had the perfect, you know, new plywood, professional clips in there. We went outside, all new shingles that matched the existing shingles, and I just could not figure out what happened. Had no idea what happened. And I talked to a neighbor, and he said, a crew showed up earlier today, and they worked for a couple hours, and they totally repaired your roof. I said, you get the name off the truck? Or I, I think they made a mistake. They went to the wrong house. <laughs> right? I don't have any money to pay this cat. And he told me who it was, and I called the owner of the company, and I said, hey, I think you made a mistake and went to the wrong house. He said, I didn't make any mistake. Mistakes. I said, well, I, I don't have the money to pay you. I didn't hire you to fix my roof. And he said, I know you didn't. A friend told me what you were going through, and I got to be faithful to God. So I came over and I fixed your roof. Unbelievable. And, and God just kept showing up in our lives. It, it, was, it was amazing. In the aftermath uh, of life turning, starting to turn around, God's work wasn't done for me. To keep me from returning to my burnout ways and trying to be everything to everyone, God really slowed me down, and I blew my back out as part of that cleanup. He kept me down for quite a while with a, with a spinal surgery that was uh, a three-level fusion. And I think that was really to just kind of put a point to it all, that stop being in control, don't go back to your old ways, and let me run things for a while. I can really appreciate that looking back. It was really important in my life. So I received a demotion and I returned to work. And, you know, in typical police fashion, we got to punish people. So they put me in the lobby to register people for Toys for Tots. It's a job we normally give to interns. I went from lieutenant to re registering people for Toys for Tots in the lobby. And I could have been humiliated and embarrassed to do it. But quite frankly, I loved it. And it was an incredible moment for time for me to meet with families that were needy, truly needy families that we were able to help. It was, it was, it was awesome. And I think to the words we speak and hear a lot of times when we have these difficult moments, do we try to be bitter or do we try to be better? And I was trying to be better at that moment. A couple weeks later, I was placed on the midnight shift as the midnight watch commander. I was given command over a group of eight people with the average experience of about 12 to 14 months, young officers. And I spent those few years with that group with a renewed understanding of what God wanted out of me. I poured myself into the group of the young officers and gave them all of my 22 years of experience at the time and tried to display the leadership qualities of a man serving God. Within a few years, I'd moved to another division in the department. And I look back and those eight officers, five of them are now sergeants, one of them's on the lieutenant's list. One's in our criminal investigations division. One left and went to OPD and was officer of the year, his rookie year. And one I couldn't obviously touch. Um, they, you can't get to everybody, right? But I tried. And it wasn't anything I did necessarily other than pouring myself into them. They had their own abilities. They were all great kids. But I hope that showing them godly leadership helped them on that journey to their success in the agency. I think back to 2019 uh, when I was listening to Lou Holtz. And he shared what Mark Twain said. He said, there's two important days in your life the day you're born, and the day you realize why you were born. And that's to help other people. And as bad as this season of life was, I was thankful for it because it helped me learn to help other people. And in those quiet moments at my home when I submitted to God and asked him to help me from stopping the hurting and humbling as his servant, I think back on those, those words that I can help others. I think of Matthew 7, 24 to 25, which says, everyone who hears these words of mine and who does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And my wife and I had built our home and our family 
on a rock foundation, foundation of Christ, and God saw us through our troubled times. Even though I had personally steered far more than one degree from true north, and I was self-absorbed. That's not to say that time was easy, it wasn't, but it was the hardest time of my life. So I think back here at Four Rivers being embraced by Dave, I stood in this room with all these godly men after seeing God's work in my life. However, I knew one thing was missing, and like I said, that was friendship and fellowship with other believers. And I didn't so much as take a chance of showing up to Ironman that one day. I was being faithful to God, and I listened to him when Dave Hill put out that, that tickler about Ironman of God. And uh, I appreciate letting God steer my life, because I wouldn't have met all you wonderful guys that take your time and you pour into us here every week. You share scripture, you share your personal story, and I just think that's awesome. I've learned a couple of lessons along the way. The first one is that our God's a big God. I want to tell you he showed up in my life I don't exaggerate um, he whispered in my ear to let go and I did like Mike Gonzalez told us in his presentation when we're faithful God will take the ordinary and make it extraordinary and he most certainly does lesson two is God doesn't give us what we want he provides us what we need he helped me realize I needed humbling and he had to disrupt my routine and comfort to get me to a place where I could focus on others rather than trying to grow myself and care for myself and lesson three is be in fellowship with Christ followers for where two or three are gathered in my name there I am among them Matthew 8 Again, I'm so fortunate to have gotten in fellowship with other men who will make me better. I'm thankful to Dave Ogden, Dave Hill, Andy, Jesse, Randy, and all the other men in this group who purposely pour into me in my spiritual development. Love you guys. And for each and every Ironman who stands up here, I'm thankful for you. And with that, I thank you for your time.